Hey, welcome to Sunday School. I'm glad you're here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. You're listening to the Mills Sunday School Podcast. We are the College and 20-somethings ministry of New Life Church. All right. Thank you for moving up. Some of you actually did. Two tables now in the very, very front are filled up, and that is good. It does provide, because lots of people, to be honest, lots of people come in late, and so then at the, at the, towards the end of Sunday school, we'll probably be full, and it'll be all full in the back, so that helps people come in and find seats. So thank you for doing that. If you would please turn to this passage of Scripture, John chapter 11. We are going to read this passage. And uh, we encourage you to turn there in your own Bibles. We have Bibles on the tables. Many of you have Bibles on your phone, which I think is, uh, I, th- I like the paper version better. Maybe I'm just uh, old and cranky or something. I don't know. But I think there's less distractions when you, when, when you pull out the paper text. Uh, so turn to John chapter 11. This is the story of Lazarus. We're going to read one small chunk of this story. And then if we have time towards the very end of Sunday school, I'm going to give you as an assignment to read the rest of uh, John chapter 11, uh, just a few verses. But this is the part where Jesus uh, comes to Bethany. Verse 17, John 11, verse 17. Jesus comes to Bethany and he finds Lazarus. And he finds him that he has already been dead in the tomb for four days. We find out just before this passage that Lazarus was sick and they called for Jesus to come and Jesus doesn't get there in time. In fact, he gets there quite a few days late because Lazarus, this, this friend of Jesus, has already been dead four days. Verse 18 says, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So there's two sisters and a brother. The brother has just died. He's, he's been dead four days in the tomb. Verse 20 says, So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. She, she went out. Mary remained at the house. Verse 21 says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Those are things people say in the midst of grieving. If you've lost a loved one, there's um, there's usually just like a, a what if, a what if, am I to blame here? What if, what if this, what if that? And maybe for some of you, that's very fresh. Maybe a loved one, a friend, a family member has died recently and you've had those feelings, you know, what if, so what if the doctor did this? What if they weren't here? What if I was doing this when I should have been doing that? And then maybe they wouldn't have died. Mary is, or excuse me, Martha is asking those questions. And then she says this, Jesus says to her, verse 23, your brother will rise again. And then Martha, with good theology, in verse 24 says, uh, I know that. Um, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. That's really good theology to know that, that, that yes, the dead will rise again later. And there'll be a bodily resurrection, maybe a physical, re- it'll, it'll just be different. We'll talk about that in the weeks to come. Um, but the, there will be the raising of the dead. And verse 25 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, listen to this, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of of God who is coming into the world. So she's like really good theology here. She knows that the dead will rise again and she knows that he is the one who is going to come. He is coming like future tense. So it's very interesting. We'll, we'll talk more about this passage today. Uh, we'll potentially, if we have time, read a little bit more of this passage today. 
But let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for this short little passage of Scripture that shows us so much. It shows us grieving. It shows us the loss of a family member and a loved one. And the Lord, ultimately, it shows us wonderful theology of, of what is going to happen in the afterlife. That, that though we believe and we die, there will be eternal life found in you, Christ. So you are a holy and awesome God. We praise you this morning as, as we talk and adventure into this series on death and the afterlife. Lord, our hope is in you. Our faith is in you. You are the resurrection and the life. We believe that. We love you, Lord. And everybody said, amen. So this morning, uh, starting today, we are starting a series on death and the afterlife. And it will be a humbling, kind of sober month. Uh, we'll talk about heaven, and that, that will be the exciting part of the, our death and the afterlife series. But specifically this morning, we're going to talk about death. And so if you've come here this morning expecting songs and dances and entertaining, um, that's usually not Sunday school, but specifically today, definitely not Sunday school, because we're going to venture into the very important topic, a topic that is often... Uh, ignored in our whole society, but specifically ignored amongst young people, people that are in their 20s, high school. Uh, you all would probably be accused of, you know, living life and f- have no, no fear, just ignoring death. That's just kind of what our society does. And I remember uh, the first time I ever saw death in real life. Uh, just yesterday, Erica and I were leaving, uh, this, 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 we'll get into the story. It wasn't just yesterday, but yesterday we were leaving Manitou and we saw a horrible car wreck and it was a motorcycle accident. We saw somebody, I don't know if they lived or died. Um, this person as we were driving by, but the paramedics were already there. They were rushing around and trying to help this person who was laying down. It reminded me of the first time as a kid, I, I saw death. I remember going to church with my parents. My dad was driving. My mom was in the passenger seat. I was in the back uh, driver's seat. My, my brother was there, who's my younger brother. And we were driving to church and we pulled up on an accident that had just happened. Like the dust was still settling. There was a car in the ditch and there was a motorcycle on the road. And right in the middle of the road was a guy laying there on his back. And we were headed not just to, to any church. It wasn't just any old uh, Sunday morning, but it was a special one because it was my first communion. And I took all these classes, all these Sunday school classes on what communion meant, that Christ had died, that his body was broken. And as a little kid, as a seven-year-old, trying to understand and, and comprehend all these things like, oh, the body and blood of Jesus is represented by the, the bread and the cup. And, and we take these into us spiritually so that we might spiritually live. And if we believe that, then, then Christ will save us. And all these different things about like, you know, what is death? And will I die one day? And here we are on the way to this first communion. And I, I see this guy on the road as a kid is like, like, why isn't he moving? And we pulled over. My dad got out to, to, to help to see what was going on. I, I remember a couple things. I remember how blue, like the guy looked. And I remember my mom, as I was looking at him and just like gawking and staring, my mom looked back and saw me looking. He's like, Oh my gosh, Joe, don't look, uh, look out the other window, close your eyes. And so I was like, like this, like, uh, like looking, just so curious, like what? I, I've never seen this before. I've never seen someone die. This is now so real, uh, so real and so surreal. Like it was, it was like this moment in my life that I can still remember very clearly. 
because it was it had all these things wrapped up in it, like faith and communion and the death of Christ and eternal life. And here I am looking at someone who has just died, and I'm going to die someday. And this series, um, Death and the Afterlife, uh, let's not ignore death. I think as a society, I was just talking to a couple people this morning saying, oh, the sermon series is death. And it's like, oh yeah, as a society, we just ignored. I was talking to Megan, who's a nurse. And it's like, oh, nurses, people in hospitals, they can't ignore death. It happens. And they see it firsthand, if not daily, weekly, monthly, they see people pass away. And so this month of Sunday school, um, it's, it's not going to be an easy, it's not going to be a lighthearted, fun Sunday school, but it will be very important. And I believe very important for college 20-somethings, young people like all of us, myself a little bit older, but uh, still young at heart, I guess, uh, to not ignore death. And so, welcome to Sunday school. Thanks for coming. Uh, if you, if you are new, we would love to have you fill out a guest card, uh, just by way of a couple announcements, and then we'll get back to our topic. So if you, if you are new, uh, and you fill out a guest card, you could fill it out really with as much or as little information as you want. You're not signing up forever saying you're gonna come and be a member here for all of eternity, uh, at New Life Church, but you are just, uh, if you wanted to, there's a, there's a checkbox for sign up for an email list, uh, or a phone call. If you, if you want those things, but we, we really just want to give you a gift. So if you fill it out and bring it to the, the table as you leave, uh, that back there, there's out right outside those doors, there's a table. There'll be people there and they'll greet you and give you a gift. That's Brady, Brady Boyd, our senior pastor wrote a book and we have a CD for you that our worship band did. So really just want you to have a gift, no strings attached. So do that. Um, and then next week, the Broncos are playing and we're having a barbecue and fun fellowship kind of thing. So this is um, kind of a new thing for Sunday school. Like I've been uh, convicted and encouraged. I think Sunday school, if you've been coming to Sunday school, you're getting discipled. I think you would just come in here and even a zombie would come in here and get discipled and learn theology and deep theology. And then you would leave knowing something um, about the faith. And so you're, I think we do a good job uh, of discipleship. And then I, this year... And looking forward, I think uh, one of the things that we could work on as a college and 20-somethings ministry that I've been uh, convicted about or encouraged about is, like, what are we doing to reach? What are we doing to foster relationships? And so this is one of those things. This is something you can invite your friends to. You can definitely invite non-believers to. This is a very easy thing that, that would get. Maybe some of you have been coming to Sunday school for a little while, and you're like, ah, I'm just not connected. It's these kinds of just, like, fellowshipy, fun kind of things um, that that get us connected as groups of people. And so it'll be extended time to just hang out and relax. So next week, after church, so not just after Sunday school, so after Sunday school, go to big church. After big church, uh, it'll be at Victoria's house. Did you want me to tell them that or not tell them that? No, no, don't tell them that. Um, (laughs) uh, She, you once had a hundred people at your house, so we're probably going to challenge that number. Um, She lives in a big house, and so we're going to put up like a big screen, like a sheet, and like hopefully project the game. And if you hate the Broncos or you don't even like football, we're going to have a cornhole tournament and volleyball in the park right next door and just time to hang out and barbecue. So what we really need, if that sounds fun, next week, uh, free food, which for a lot of you college students, like that, that's all it takes. I mean, any any kind of like free food, oh, I'll be there. It doesn't matter.
matter. Um, so some of, lots of you will be there. We need to know how much food to make. Like I could, in my head, I'm, a, I'm thinking like, oh, this would be a great event if 25 people came. This would be a great event if 100 people came or 120 people came. And those are very different numbers as far as how much food we need to get. Um, so if you would please, uh, I think for, we were going to have this online registration. Now it's totally free, but we just need to know how many people are coming. So I think the best way to do that today is to come up to Victoria and tell her you're going. So raise your hand, Victoria. Uh, everybody see Victoria? Hi, Victoria. Um, she'll be, you'll be out there. You'll be out there. Out there. She'll, she'll be out there in the white dress. Tell her you're coming and if you have a friend that's coming and she'll, she'll make note of that just so this week we'll have an idea of whether to buy enough food for 20 people or 50 people or 100 people or what. Sound good? Cool beans? Okay, when I say cool beans, you say cool beans. Cool beans? Okay. All right. One more announcement and then moving right along. Stickers. We still have stickers. These stickers. Uh, if you, if you memorize Psalm 121 from last month's series, uh, I'll give you a sticker. I have stickers right here. And some of you have memorized Psalm 121 and I found out that you just don't want to come and tell me Psalm 21 because I'm going to have you quote it and that will be embarrassing. You think you might stumble up. So all you need to do is on your honor, tell me that you have Psalm 121 memorized or uh, a title for each Psalm. That was the other thing I challenged you with last uh, month is if you're reading through the Psalms, all 150 of them, if you title them with your own title, you'll get a sticker. So you just come up to me and say you've memorized Psalm 121 or titled the Psalms and I will give you a sticker. You don't need to recite it because I don't, uh, that's not the point. The point is just to reward you for memorizing scripture, which is great. So everybody take a deep breath. (sighs) Okay. Now we get serious once again, death and the afterlife. And specifically this morning, uh, this morning, the beginning of our series, we're going to talk about death. We're going to save the, the talk about the afterlife. There'll be a lot of, um, uh, like, uh, just kind of combinations of death and the afterlife this morning. But we're really going to hold off on talking about the afterlife until <coughs> another week. Uh, next week, <coughs> and then the week after. <coughs> Excuse me, coughing into the mic. Um, Next week, we'll talk about, I think, the intermediate states. Like, that's, like, what happens right after death? Uh, we'll talk about purgatory. We don't really, we don't hold to purgatory, that, that doctrine. But there is this idea, uh, that we hold to as Christians that when we die, and it's either called paradise, or it's called waiting, or sleeping, or resting, or in the grave, or death, there's this waiting time until the final resurrection that Mary, uh, excuse me, Martha talked about with Jesus. Like, in the end, there will be a resurrection and then the judgment. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the final states this month. We'll talk about, in a couple of weeks, we'll talk about grieving and what that means for us as believers. Like how do we walk through grief, the death of a loved one or family member? Uh, we're going to have Brad Baker that later this month, who's uh, the children's pastor. He's coming and he's going to share about grief. Uh, he, he, he recently, uh, about a year ago now, his mother passed away and he had this long extended time of saying goodbye to her. She had a cancer and she ended up dying from that. And he, he, he did this, this process of grieving with his, with his mother. Then she passed and then he, he just comes to the table with a lot of relevant experience. So he'll talk in a couple weeks. But I wanted to um, open up with a quiz because that's usually what we do. Every new topic give you a chance to kind of just write down some thoughts of, of what you think, what you think you know about the topic specifically of death. So under your tables, you'll have to crawl into there's a piece of paper taped. 
Take the quiz. The best quiz takers that get the most answers right will get some stickers. Ready, get set, go. All right, do you want the answers? <laughs> no, why, why wouldn't you want the answers? Um, okay, so pins down. Uh, so you're all on the same page, I guess. Um, the first one is probably the hardest. I should have listed it later. Um, but lots of people probably would say, uh, so the, the question is, how many individuals have been raised from the dead? And of course, we'd say Jesus, right? Did everybody get Jesus? You're like, yeah, duh. Um, and then uh, there's quite a few um, of course, Lazarus. Did anyone mention him? I mean, we just read his story. Uh, there's, let's see, there's actually three people in the Old Testament. Did you know that? They get raised from the dead. Um, Elijah raises the, a son of a widow. Elisha raises the son of the Shunammite women, a woman. Uh, a man is raised from the dead when he just touches uh, Elisha's bones. Do you remember that? Did anybody get all three of those? I'd be really impressed. I mean, that really impressed, if you remember that. Um, Jesus rose from the dead. So, so far, three. Jesus rose from the dead. That's four. Uh, Jesus rose Lazarus. That's five. Jesus rose a daughter of Jairus. Jesus rose the son of a widow of Nain uh, in, the, in the book of Luke. And then uh, Peter raises a lady named Dorcas. Do you remember that? In the book of Acts. And then there's this little tiny story of a guy listening to Paul on the second story. I think it's the second story of a, of a, of a house. And Paul is, is, I guess, is preaching on and on. Maybe like you feel I'm preaching on and on right now. And this poor guy named Eutychus falls asleep and he's sitting on the window ledge and he falls out of the window. Um, bad day for him and a really bad day because the text kind of leans towards like this guy dies and then Paul comes and prays for him and then God raises him from the dead. So all total, uh, there's actually nine people that, did, did you guys put nine? Nice work, boys. Um, and then then there's this. So if, uh, if you thought of this, give yourself an extra. So if you have nine, does anybody have nine? Except for the table of cool dudes, Tony and friend. Um, so they get one point. And if you also, or if you thought of, there's this one verse of after the resurrection, it says the, the graves were open and saints were, uh, appeared and were raised from the dead. Then give yourself another point. Um, it says in Matthew 27, it says, many saints rose from the dead at the resurrection of Christ. Do you remember that verse? Okay, good. So give yourself, so you get one point if you remember that. One point if you had not, if you said nine. Uh, let's see. Number two, how many people in the Bible did not experience death? Two is usually talked about. Uh, Enoch just says he walked with God and he was no longer. And Elijah, uh, it says that, um, it says, uh, like he was taken up in a chariot, like this chariot comes down, appears, and Elijah is taken up, and his like jacket falls off as he as he gets taken up, um, and so that's where lots of people get this theology of the rapture, like the Left Behind series, like all your clothes will be left behind. That's from this verse. That's really the only verse that that talks about clothes being left behind and people being taken up. Uh, but that's like, well, did Elijah experience death? 
Well, I don't know. It's just like that God kind of took him, and God kind of took Enoch. So the answer is two. Um, number three, who's the first person to die in the Bible? Abel. Cain kills Abel. Now, you could say this would be like an extra credit one point if you talked about this. You, you didn't have to write it down. But if you talked about how um, the verse in the Bible is pretty clear. Like Genesis says, uh, God says, do not eat of the fruit because on the day you eat of the fruit, you will die. And so what does that actually mean? Uh, like a literal, a spiritual sense? Well, who's the first one to eat of the fruit? <coughs> Eve. Well, Eve takes the fruit, she eats of it. And if that's a literal thing, that if on the day you eat of the fruit, you will surely die, and then the snake says, no, you won't die, and then Eve ends up physically dying much later, but there's some sort of change that happens, and the Bible calls it death. So if you put Eve... We will accept that as a bonus extra credit answer. Anybody put Eve? That's just, I mean, it's pretty random. It's pretty literal. Um, but, but that's that. So number four, uh, this is a saying, uh, finish this sentence. When the perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then this saying shall come to pass that which is written. And it says something about, uh, oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Um, that's the answer. It's kind of like a Jeopardy, like, what is, oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? Um, and I just remember that because there was this girl named Beth that me and my friend Bo would tease. We'd say, oh, Beth, where is your victory? Where is your sting? But uh, the verse comes from uh, 1 Corinthians 15, and it has to do with uh, the resurrection. It says, at the resurrection, when the dead are raised, then this saying, which is kind of a, a quote from Hosea 13, this saying will be true, that death has no victory. Death has no sting, because all will be raised from the dead. So that's number four. We'll talk about that later. Uh, I'll probably talk about this one, uh, number five, next week. What is Abraham's bosom? Uh, I guess you could put a lot of different answers, like what is the afterlife? Uh, Abraham's bosom is the place of death with Abraham. So it's not like Abraham's belly. Um, it's more like uh, the place of death where you would be with Abraham, where you and Abraham would be hanging out and buddies, uh, maybe relaxing with Abraham, your head on his bosom. Um, that's that's where the saying comes from. It's a kind of a King James way of saying uh, Hades or the afterlife or the place of being with the fathers that have gone before you like Abraham. So did anybody put any kind of answer like that? If you did, you get it right. There's lots of grace here for that one. Uh, number six, how many times does the word death appear in the Bible? It's not 25 or 50 or 75. It's a whole bunch. It's more like 400. Uh, the, the NIV says like 465. The ESV is 459, depending on uh, different words and, and that tra- translations of, of the word death and it being used. So lots of times. And finally, number seven, what did the Israelites have to do so that the angel of death would pass over their house? They had to put the blood of the lamb on their door, and then the angel of death would pass the house and move on. So, how many of you uh, got them all right? Anybody? You guys, ten? You got the first one right? How many of you got uh, minus one? Okay, so that, that everybody here gets a sticker. So we need to get stickers. You got stickers? Okay, Victoria. So this table. Raise your hands again. So this table. This table. Your table, that table over there, that table. I don't know if we have enough stickers, 
but lots of stickers will go out for uh, <laughs> getting right questions. So let's move on to, uh, here's what I want to do with today. We have about a half hour left, and I want to compare the pop cultural thoughts, the, I put pop secular ideas of death, and compare them with Christianity. Because I think that while uh, the United States is a, a Christian nation or came from Christian roots or however you want to think about that or talk about that, it's been very influenced by Christianity. It's by no means uh, like a, a, a Christian, like Bible-believing Christian nation. No longer anymore. Maybe it never was. That's uh, up for debate and, and discussion amongst all of you that are really interested in that discussion. But the culture is very different than Christianity as to what we and they think about death. And I researched death quite a bit this, this week in preparation for this sermon and came again and again and again to this one overwhelming idea within our culture, which kind of brings us to this week's nerd alert. <laughs> guys are funny. It's that death is kind of a joke. Like there's lots of jo- Like if you re- get into like talking about death, with someone just kind of out of the blue, it's kind of a joke. Like if you research death, like on YouTube, the, all that will come up is like lots of music videos trivializing death. Uh, there's death quotes. A lot of them are funny. Uh, there's um, this uh, psychological idea called minimization that people will just joke about something when something is like stressing someone out or there's a lot of grief and anxiety about this thing. What people usually do, uh, our reaction to that could just be to to minimize it, to joke about it. And that's what people do in our culture with death. There's uh, death jokes like this one. Uh, death, the personification is sitting on a, a psychiatrist's bed. And the psychiatrist says, let's explore that feeling that people are trying to cheat you. I thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> great. Nice, Joe. Uh, way to joke about death. Um but I think that's what our culture does. We joke about the things that really bother us. We tend to minimize the things that really bug us. We ignore death. But what happens when you are faced with death? One more discussion question for you. Uh, so what happens, so all joking aside, like if you were to engage someone and ask them, so what do you think about death? And maybe they're facing it. Maybe they're facing it head on with uh, maybe a loved one has died or they're, they're really considering and being serious about the topic of death. What do uh, people, so I'm going to word the question like this, what does pop culture, pop secular U.S. culture really think about death? Like what is it? What, what, what does our world, the, the world that we live in, our culture really say about death? What are some of the popular thoughts? So would you discuss that at your tables? Get a list of maybe three or four things and assign someone to be a scribe. Write those things down. I wrote down some ideas. Uh, I imagine they're very similar to some of the things you wrote down. So here's some pop secular thoughts on death. I have five things that kind of uh, expand and into other subtopics. But the first one is this idea that the culture has that death is just natural. It's always been that way. It's just a part of life. There's nothing certain except for death and taxes. Um, and we as Christians, we 
Well, everyone will die, but we would say something a little different. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, death is often ignored. How many of you put that down? Like, not only is it joked about, um, and, and just death jokes, and kicking the bucket, and bucket lists, and they're just kind of jokes, but like, what, like what really happens when someone is confronted with death? Well, often in our society, it's almost encouraged that we ignore it. I'm thinking of like through different movie scenes where uh, someone is about to die. Let's say a battle scene and someone is very clearly uh, going to die. There's, there's no question. What usually happens in that scene? Well, one person will tell, look at the person that's about to die and say, you're okay, buddy. You're, you hang in there. You look great. Just uh, stay with me. And they know. Both of them know that that person's about to die. And even in the face of death, it's like, well, is that what you're supposed to do? Like, just ignore death even in the face of uh, someone about to die? And I even had this thought this week that um, even at funerals in the secular kind of, if you go to a non-Christian funeral, maybe like a funeral home, and there's not really any religious aspect of the funeral, just kind of a secular funeral. If you go to a funeral like that, I imagine that even at the funeral, death is ignored. There's kind of a, a celebration of life services that happen. And I imagine if you went to one of those services, really not really knowing what was going on, let's say you take a foreign exchange student from somewhere that, that they don't know our culture at all, like Nairobi, Kenya, or South India or something, they come here and you just, you just invite them to this uh, funeral service, a secular funeral service. At the end of that funeral service, the celebration of life, that person might say, wow, that guy, that guy seemed like a great guy. Can, can we meet him? I would like to meet him. And he's like, well, no, you missed the whole point. That person has died, and we're celebrating their life. And even in death, because I imagine uh, at a lot of funeral services that are secular, that the body is, is far from the service, the body isn't there, um, and it's just a celebration of what that person has done, that even in funerals, death is often ignored in pop secular culture. Uh, I put number three, an absolute end, like many... Um, atheists, I, I used to hang out with this atheist, uh, th- this guy was a... Uh, a, a, an avowed atheist, and he was the he was he was the president of the atheist club at Pikes Peak Community College across the street. And one day he called the church and wanted to talk to somebody, kind of introduce himself. So the people that 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 transfer phone calls were like, "Give him to Joe." So I got to talk to him. <laughs> And it turned out really cool because we met up and then we began to hang. We'd probably every other week or once a month, we'd have coffee and just talk. And it was like a cool, it was like a friendship that we, we had a lot, lot, a whole bunch to disagree on, but at least we agreed on that the communication was important and, and sharing of ideas was important. And we even did a debate together over at Pikes Peak Community College in which our only criticism was you guys were too nice to each other, <laughs> which I thought was like, well, that's a good criticism. Um, so anyways, I, uh, he, he would say, my friend, my atheist friend would say that in death, we don't know what happens, that he would say, and he would say, there's just an absolute end. Nothing else happens after death. And at one point, I feel like I, we, you know, with a debate and a discussion is one that, you know, you, you always feel like you're winning. Um, <laughs> and the other person always feels like they're winning. Uh, but at one point, I kind of stumped him and I said, well, you know, the laws of thermodynamics are that, you know, energy is not created or destroyed. Matter is not created or destroyed. So if life is something, then can life just end? Like, doesn't that go against the law, the scientific laws of thermodynamics? And he said, yeah, I guess you're right. And that's all he had to say. So I was like, yes, 
won that one. Um, but we as Christians, we don't hold to number three. We don't hold to any of these, by the way. Number four is that uh, the, the popular secular culture would say the body and soul are separated forever. And as Christians, we'd say, yeah, but not that we're going to talk about. Like this, we don't really hold to that. We believe that there's going to be a bodily resurrection. And we'll talk about that in the weeks to come. Um, but often the secular culture is, would say something that says like, oh, well, in this life you had cancer and suffering and you died and now your soul is free of your body forever and ever. And, and as Christians, we'd say, well, that's true, but there's a resurrection, a resurrected body that we will get later. We'll talk more about this in the weeks to come. But uh, for now, uh, we, we would just say that that the body and soul are not going to be separated forever. There's going to be a resurrection in which the body and soul are reunited at this resurrection. And how all that works out, we'll talk about that more. Lots of mystery as to the how and the why that will happen. But um, we don't say that the body and soul will be separated forever. We, we do think that they will be reunited. And number four, did anyone put this one? That in our culture, there's just a lot of fear about death. Under the joking about death, under the ignoring death, there is underlying fear. We, like no other culture, uh, I think because we've ignored death and fear death and we kind of just put it on the, the back burner, we, we really don't want to deal with it. We, we, we push it away. We, we make ourselves looking as young as, as possible with surgeries and all kinds of, uh, crazy expenses to our own body and own health. We make, try to make ourselves look younger to try to cheat death and ignore death for as long as possible. And underlying all of that is a lot of fear. So let's go back through these. I've hinted that we're going to do this. Uh, so the Christian theology of death. Um, so we'll look at each one of these. So going back through, we would say that ultimately, in the grand scheme, grand scheme of things, death is not natural. We were not meant to die. In the garden, God created Adam and Eve. Uh, he created humans, male and female, in the image of God. And they weren't meant to die. They were not meant to eat of the tree but they did, and in that day they died, and everything changed. Death entered the world, and there was toil, and there was uh, pain that entered the world, and there was you had to work now, and you had to ex- you experience the, the the knowledge of the good and evil, and all these things changed, and it wasn't meant to be that way. We were not meant to die, and a lot of Christian theologians would say, looking at the text of Scripture, and I would agree with this fully, that that in Adam and Eve's sin, we all sinned, we inherited death that we are now trying to get back to that place where there will be no more death, a re-entry into the Garden of Eden. And that's, we'll talk about this later this month, the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come, that that is getting back to this state of living forever as physical bodies and somehow not, no longer experiencing death or pain. And that's the true goal for all of humanity. Um, so that's number one. Number two is that secular culture ignores death. We should not ignore death. Christ doesn't ignore death. Jesus talks about it. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about grieving and laments. And just last month we were talking about the Psalms and all these Psalms that fall into the category of grieving Psalms or lament Psalms. The Bible does not ignore it, nor should we. Um, number three, of course, I mean, this one's just kind of like, duh. Of course, we don't believe in an absolute end, that in death, 
there is life. There is life to come. And there's, there's death, but then there's life. And then there's, some theologians say this phrase, the life after, the life after death. Like what we're waiting for this resurrection. We'll talk about this more in the weeks to come. Uh, and then finally, body and soul are not going to be separated forever. Paul says it this way in Acts 24. He says, therefore, there shall be a resurrection of both the righteous and of the wicked. So there's death. Then there's going to be a raising of the dead. And how all that works is, is really unique. If you, if you want some clues, uh, into what we're going to talk about, you could read 1 Corinthians 15. Paul gives this analogy of what the resurrection of the dead will be like. Um, John 5, 28 says this, uh, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Those who did good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. So we believe that in the end, Christ comes back, the dead will be raised. And what that will look like is beyond my imagination. Um, but that's our hope, that, that all will be raised. And those that are in Christ will have eternal life. And those that are not in Christ, those that have done evil, it says, to a resurrection of judgment. What does that mean? We'll, we'll talk more about this in the days, the weeks to come. Finally, number five, secular culture fears death. And there's verses like this, Romans eight fifteen. You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship and by which we cry, Abba, Father. Or 1 John four eighteen. there is no fear in love, but for perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We have all these ideas uh, of Jesus, these statements of Jesus saying, do not fear death. In fact, if you are in Christ, you won't die, is what he told Martha. So as we conclude here today, we have a little bit of time. We'll go back to the story of Martha and Mary and Lazarus in the tomb and Jesus finding Lazarus. And he does something that may surprise you. Maybe you already know this verse. It happens to be one of the shortest verses of the Bible, if not the shortest version uh, verse of the Bible. But in conclusion, um, maybe you walked in today and you were handed the notes and you looked on the cover and you saw the skulls. Did anybody, was anybody else thrown off by the skulls? You're like, whoa, what are we talking? What is the, why is there a picture of a skull as our picture for the cover of our notes. Isn't that a little morbid? Isn't, you know, shouldn't we not be doing that? Shouldn't we be ignoring that? Shouldn't we, you know, isn't that just for like one day of the year, Halloween, and the rest of the time, you know, we don't consider death, we don't look at death, we don't talk about it, we don't think about it. And this month uh, is the answer to all those questions. It's a big no. We need to think about death. We need to think about our own death. We need to grieve well. Uh, we need to not just ignore. Grieving poorly would just be ignoring the death of a loved one. We need to grieve properly. We need to um, come to Christ and give him our fear. We need to come to Christ instead of ignoring death. And the, the, the phrase written on this skull, so there's a bunch of skulls. This, these skulls are in a monastery, and they're, they're skulls of old uh, people that have died, monks, nuns that have died, and on this particular skull is written something. And the translation is this. What I am, you will be too. What you are, I've already been. So a very sober realization, understanding. And, and I think 
many of us, if not all of us, at some point, maybe every single day, we think about death, like either our own death or the death of someone else, the grieving, the loss. Maybe many of you are, you know, whenever one even says the word death, you immediately think of uh, a loved one that has passed, and you think through that. And, and maybe for, for many of you, that's every day. And I would say that that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. Grieving is a part of life. Losing people that were alive, that is a part of life. Every one of us is going to die. And to ignore that would be silly. To, to think that because you're young, um, you're going to live forever. Well, that's just silly. That's, that's, we know that that's not true. And yet so many young people, especially non-believers, non-Christians, just totally ignore death. And that's not what we should do. So here's what I want you to do. Um, as, so this will be, well, I'll pray and then we'll close. And then what I would like you to do is as a table, uh, maybe just pick one person and read these verses. There's only, uh, just a few verses, or you can pass around a Bible that usually works a lot better than, uh, starting and stopping with different translations because things get confusing. But I want you to read the rest of the story. And this is the rest of the Lazarus story, which I, I imagine many of you, if not all of you know that Jesus goes to the tomb, he sees Lazarus. And then what does he do? It's the shortest verse of the Bible. He weeps. Jesus sees Lazarus uh, in the tomb, uh, and he weeps. Why would Jesus, God of all, God, knowing that Lazarus is about to be raised from the dead, uh, resuscitated back to life, why would he weep? And so that's the question for you. I'm not going to give you the answer. We'll talk about it maybe uh, next week, uh, the week after. But why do you think Jesus weeps? So read the rest of the story. Look at some of the details. Why does Jesus weep? And then what happens to Lazarus? Many of you know, kind of a spoiler alert, that Jesus raises him, resuscitates him back to life, and it was as if he never died. And so that's that's the story. A lot to think about, a lot to consider. But let's pray before you uh, read this as a table. God, we understand and we, we hope that you are the resurrection and the life. We believe those words that you said, that you told Martha, that those who believe in you, though we die, we will not experience death. We will be raised from the dead. That is our great hope, that you, Lord Jesus, came to this earth, you died, and then you conquered death. You rose from the grave. And that is our great hope, that you would raise us from death, that we would spend eternity with you and, and knowing you deeper and, and, and falling in love with you on a, on a level that we can't even comprehend now, that we would know like we are known by you. And so, Father, as we um, think about death, the death of people we know, the death of loved ones, the death of our, our own in the future, Lord, give us a spirit of joy, a spirit of understanding, not a spirit of fear, but, but one that worships you and understands that that we have eternal life in you. So, Lord, we praise you. We worship you. You're a holy God. And everybody said, amen. All right, so read this passage as a table. Uh, If you're going next week, we'd love to have some sort of count. So uh, talk to Victoria on your way out. But blessings and peace, and we'll see you next week. We hope you've been spiritually encouraged by listening to this podcast. More podcasts and information about the College and 20-somethings ministry at New Life Church in Colorado Springs can be found at newlifechurch.org 
forward slash Sunday school.